Today, with us on the line, we have our good friend and monthly regular guest, Alan Watt, and we will be cutting through the matrix with Alan for the next hour or so. And uh, for all you guys out there who might be new to the program, tuning in for the first time, you should know that we have all our previous shows with Alan archived on our website. Uh, you should also, of course, head on over to Alan's website, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, and uh, check out the material that he's got on there. DVDs, CDs, books, and uh, vital information. Also, of course, follow along the audio blurbs that uh, Alan put up on his site regularly. And um, if I remember correctly, last time we had Alan with us, we kind of left off uh, getting into talking about Africa. And, and this is something I'd like to follow up on today with Alan, um, kind of taking it, off, uh, taking it where we left off last time we spoke. And, um, you, you know, the, there's so much in, in regards to this, the suppression of the, the continent and so forth, and uh, the historical background, and, and maybe we could get into that a little bit later. But first, of course, let's welcome back Alan to the program, and, and, and it's great to have you back again, uh, you know, considering our latest ec experience and so forth with a website downtime and whatnot. I hope all things are, are well over at cuttingthroughthematrix.com. <laughs> uh -huh, yeah. Yeah, I think we, we upset some people. <laughs> and they, they let you know through the most insidious ways. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I noticed you, yet you uh, have about, uh, what is it, seven mirror sites or something up there now, so you won't go down that easily, eh? That's right. Make it safer. <laughs> you know, also, of course, let me, let me say uh, thank you again to you, Alan, for so uh, prominently helping us, you know, getting the word out and so forth. Uh, at the beginning of this month when, when our site went, went down and so forth. So thank you very much for that one. It's no, no problem at all. Yeah, and uh, as you know, uh, as soon as something happens, you know, we're, we're here to help you spread the word also. So hopefully, you know... That I think that will probably be the format in the future for people is to help each other. Is more of, I think more of this will probably happen depending yeah. on the topics you choose. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, exactly, and then that's uh, that's a very good idea, you know. Oh, got some nice trains in the background there. Right? <laughs> that's the, that's yeah. the Canadian, Canadian National going, uh, taking its uh, goods from China across <laughs> Canada. <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, uh, th through the how, how are things going, by the way, in regards to the to the. Well, they're they're always these trains go every day with their their, their amazing long, long loads, an incredible amount of carriages. Uh-huh, okay. And uh, it's all made in China. Uh, everything pretty well is manufactured for anything is now made in China. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. The new industrial uh, pr production uh, country in the world, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, who'd have thought that communism uh, would have used the capitalist techniques to outdo capitalism? Ah, uh, it's amazing, isn't it? seems like they're, uh, yeah. conne they're connected <laughs> somehow, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, just confusing somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, it's it's incredible. Yeah, um, yeah, you know, get, getting I guess back to a little bit on on the note that we I wanted to begin on today. You know, in regards to to Africa and so forth, I I've always been you know curious to kind of uh, you know find out the reason behind uh, you know all the civil wars that is going on uh, that has been plaguing Africa for so long and. It seems to me, at least, that the, the the continent has been, you know, consciously held back or not allowed, if you will, to uh, develop industrially. Um, 
the suppression uh, suppression is, is just incredible. So, I mean, what the heck do you think is going on down there? I'm re- reading about, you know, some background in regards to Cecil Rhodes and uh, a little bit about what's his involvement in, in, in the diamond business down there back in the late 19th century, I guess. But uh, I don't know if, if we want to, you know, tie this even further back into ancient history or something. I don't know. What, what's your take on this? Why, why do you think there is there a particular reason or agenda behind the suppression of, of uh, the African continent? You, you'll find that Africa has been exploited for thousands of years by the richer countries, even in, in, in ancient times. The, um, Africa had always been a source for slavery, and the, the, the northern peoples in Africa uh, had no problem going down there over the, the many, many centuries and bringing slaves up. The Egyptians had lots of Nubian slaves, they called them. And, um, and they even had regiments composed of them that fought for Egypt. They were a little better taken care of. Hmm. So it always been used as a source, uh, and also a source of, even back in ancient times, for, for exotic goods, including ivory, uh, for jewelry, and so on, yeah. and various things. So it always has been seen as a resource, and in this system, which is really the same system today, it's still seen as a resource. Hmm. Um, Africa sits on some of the world's m- uh, most abundant forms of mineral deposits, yeah. all kinds of minerals, and and various and gold, of course, and silver and diamonds. Hmm. And uh, when Britain started to, to take the lead uh, with the British Empire, when it was made to be the leader uh, with a new empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the same money delete, um, uh, then they sent missionaries in initially into Africa. Missionaries were funded. You'll find like uh, Livingstone, who was one of the most well-known ones, mm-hmm. to do deep exploration of the inner continent. And uh, he was funded by the Royal Society of England. Uh, that was an openly Freemasonic uh, scientific organization. Mm-hmm. Uh, attached to the Royal Academy, and they funded him with the stipulation that he would observe for certain materials, types of woods, anything which could be of, of uh, interest to merchants hmm. uh, while in there. So they've been using missionaries for a long time for for probe missions, oh. and uh, eventually they knew what was where. In fact, many of these missionaries were actually trained uh, and uh, prospecting, just coincidentally. Hmm. <laughs> so they were prospectors too. They could identify minerals, gold, silver, etc., uh-huh. and uh, certain strata in the way that the land will lay. Yeah. So um, you'll find eventually uh, Britain drummed up uh, as part of the empire production uh, a, a sort of a new cause, which would be uh, to push the British system uh, as a good thing uh, upon the rest of the world, especially Africa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they put massive funding into um, setting up places in Africa uh, to exploit it. They trouble, again, because there were pretty large tribes there in some places which didn't like it too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so um, they brought the British military and the taxpayers of Britain funded their wars in, in Africa, as always. Hmm. The taxpayers funded the laying of railway lines for the military 
and of course the merchandising that would go on. They took all the resources out of it, and then they privatized it. This is a standard procedure done through history. Um, eventually, uh, a society was set up in Oxford University, authorized by the British Crown to specifically send specific people out to Africa to grab all resources, <laughs> especially diamonds, gold, and silver. Yeah. And uh, they created a special department within Oxford University for it that picked certain individuals, trained them like Cecil Rhodes. Wow. And he did go out there initially to join his brother, who was already there uh, looking for diamonds. Mm -hmm. And eventually they merged with the De Beer Company. And, uh, and then they formed a secret society back in Oxford that was to train future generations uh, to take over from them. <laughs> and to not only to go over for, for the resources of Africa, but the, the natural resources of every country on the planet. Hmm. That's, that was its function. For a, a new world order that was to come up in the future. Yeah. And certainly that's what they did. Uh, Africa was one of their main targets. They exploited it. They had to get the wealth. They had to build up their foundations. Because you'll find the governments and the great foundations, as they're called, Mm -hmm. uh, so-called charitable foundations are really part and parcel of the same organization. Huh. Uh, the big foundations like Rockefeller, Carnegie, yeah. uh, the Rhodes Trust, um, and many others, even the various Rothschild Trusts as well, under different names, mm -hmm. uh, they fund uh, all political movements in the world, in every country. Yeah. Uh, they fund all opposing political, political groups in the countries. And they also uh, fund the cultural changes and pay those who will spearhead cultural changes and ensure that they'll have all the promotion in the media that they need. <laughs> so uh, we are living in a fixed system yeah. uh, which is planned by people who see themselves as a natural elite. And you, you can trace the rise of them, really, uh, although they were there before, but you can trace the rise of them back from the French Revolution Mm -hmm. uh, when, uh, when it was over and done with, uh, the writers who'd written all the propaganda for the revolution for years and years beforehand mm -hmm. formed a, a Masonic society called the Encyclopedists, and they decided what sort of education children would then have from then on. Hmm. And they decided that all knowledge would be in their hands, and all that the people would ever know was the knowledge that they gave out. <laughs> and that's still going on today. They run the national education associations across the planet. Yeah, I mean, obviously, one thing that comes to mind is uh, in regards to those people who wonder how this connects, you know, with with the most, you know, current, yeah. um, you know, people ruling the planet. I guess is of course the the Rhodes Scholarship, and I guess that this was founded by Cecil Rhodes himself, right? He was a front man, uh, Rothschild. Um, Backed him up. So did another uh, firm, uh, family related to the beer, the beers in Africa, mm -hmm. who lived in Britain, called called Beer as well, B O E R. Hmm. Uh, so they also um, uh, were heavily involved in the setting up of the society. The Rothschilds basically funded uh, most of it, mm -hmm. but they also appointed political advisors to take over from Cecil Rhodes. And uh, they even put one of their own men in charge of South Africa. Hmm. 
so uh, they ran all sides, even what appeared to be opposing sides. Yeah. They put their own men in charge. Hmm. And Lord Milner, uh, Alfred Milner, who ran a, a similar authorized organization uh, for the British Crown, who had what they called the Round Table Group, mm-hmm, yeah. merged with the Road Society Group, and those two groups still, you'll see out today, they have the Round Table Society across the planet. Yeah. They recruit them from universities, uh, bureaucracies, the great foundations, and all the bureaucracies of the great foundations are interlinked into one. They all communicate so that they're all on the same track at the same time. Do you think that they have uh, have this kind of uh, you know m- mythological uh, view on themselves in regards to uh, you know them using that name, the Round Table? Of course, going back to you know King Arthur. Do you think that they have this kind of view of themselves? Well, they do. They're they're incredibly arrogant. Um, the upper ones, of course, are especially selected. They used uh, extra uh, selective breeding for their wives. They don't choose their wives; they're picked for them. Sure, yeah. Uh, they're aristocracy, um, and uh, from their own point of view, they are uh, a high. Uh, you call them hybrids, really, a hybrid race, hmm. <laughs> uh, and that's how they see themselves. Yeah. Uh, they're not stupid. They have intelligence and um, and, and tremendous cunning. Mm-hmm. But they also have the power, uh, financial power, in the banks. I mean, them own the banks. Yeah, sure. And uh, they run financial institutions, the largest in the world. We were all trained to work to earn their money, mm-hmm. which we then get taxed back to governments which they appoint. <laughs> Uh, so it is their system, you see. Yeah, it is absolutely. Uh, you know, in, in regards to diamonds, going back to that, um, I can't remember it now. It, wa- it was a documentary I saw a while back in regards to, of course, uh, you know, the beers and all of this, but um, stating that diamonds are, are you know, s- semi-precious and that that there actually are kind of you know, warehouses full of diamonds, basically, but in order to kind of keep the values high on those that they have they they constantly um, you know try to keep it try to keep them suppress the market yeah exactly scarce i guess so like a like they aren't yeah. widely uh, widely available but uh, um, i mean do do you think that that, that, that the, this is the case so to speak that there this is just a like everything else is a is a fraud that <laughs> there's diamonds all over the place basically uh, there are diamonds all over the place um it's, it's more even intricate than that. You know, the, when you understand that even the gold standard, that, that uh, uh, the price of gold, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, has been set for the last 150 years by the Rothschilds sure, sure. from London. Yeah. And every morning the stock markets and everything sit and wait with a hushed breath for this king to come forward <laughs> uh, in his pajamas at his window and uh, stick his finger out the window and tell the people what the price of gold is that day, because that's how it's done. It is, it's just a, It's just whatever he wants it to be is, well, is what it will be. Yeah, yeah. And so it's spoken into existence, and everybody goes to work on it. Sure, sure. Um, so right away, here's the guys who own the gold mines yeah. all over the place, yeah. setting the price of the gold. Well, that's a good job. If it's good work if you can get it. <laughs> yeah. Oh so God. this is the, yeah. the whole con game with everything. Same with diamonds. Yeah. 
uh, where I live, quite near me, there's a mining town. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sudbury is still a mining town today. It's best known for nickel. And although it has all other kinds of metals here, including gold that come across once in a while. Mm-hmm. And I looked through an old book in the library, the town library, on old Sudbury of the 1800s. Mm-hmm. And the biggest uh, building, uh, it, was, it was called Rothschild Square. And the building on it was called the Rothschild House, big letters. Oh. It's not there anymore. So already they were in to every major place in Canada. Yeah where there was natural resources and they owned it. In, in regards to, as you said uh, earlier, you know, the, the British military, I guess, was, for example, down, down in Africa, uh, building and setting up all the rain, uh, rail lines and so forth, uh, train, uh, the trains down there. Um, it, it almost feels like, uh, you know, that, that they were down there, set up the, the system in place and then kind of, uh, as quickly as they went in, basically left. But you, you're saying that the involvement is still there in regards to that they actually have privatized the industry and now they can do what they want. So don't, they don't have to be down there and do any of the dirty work, I guess. Well, they don't have to. I mean, uh, they kept saying how they're going to bring freedom to the Africans and democracy mm. and the British way of life, you see. Mm. And so the two people who are basically free and tribal and, and then made them live half their life underground Hmm. Uh, working for this new thing called money, yeah. which they had to spend in town stores owned by the company that owned the mines, that took it all back from them. Hmm. Uh, everything is said under the, the guise of helping people. Sure. That's the, the, the most oldest trick in history. Absolutely. Uh, uh, so, yeah, they were exploited right away. I notice even now South Africa uh, granted special privileges to the beer company, still there. And they have uh, very special privileges, actually bet- a better deal under Mandela than they had before under South Africans. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. <laughs> uh-huh. uh. Well, payoffs work wonders, you know. Yeah, sure. Huh. Yeah. It's, okay, so these are the, again, we're, we're you know, we're d- put uh, in, in, in the official uh, limelight, so to speak. We are, we are handed these uh, heroes also, I guess. That's what you're saying. Oh, we are. You know, people forget that it's quite, see, logic is supposed to always be the same when you apply it to the same situations and same um, problems. It must all, it is truly logic, it must always come out with the same answer. Hmm. Now, when people go and blow up buses in Israel, uh, there's a scream of terrorism, terrorism. Mm-hmm. And when towers are blown up in New York, it's the scream terrorism. Nelson Mandela, if you go through his records, was not put in prison hmm. uh, because uh, he was at the time a communist leader. He was put in prison because he blew up school buses of children huh. with hand grenades. Hmm. And now this man is a hero. How come he is a hero and other ones are not heroes? Yeah. My God, it's a again, it's a, it's a tremendous, you know, suppression that has that has been, you know, going on down down in Africa, and with all, in regards to all the wars, all the corrupt leaders, and it feels like, you know, 
over and over again we they just you know a, a new guy is picked uh, he's as corrupt as the last one was and and they have revolutions on revolutions on revolutions and nothing again takes place and i mean but i mean who's the in that sense who's the visible is there any uh, hand behind this a visible hand you know or, or you know a <laughs> name i guess we can kind of pinpoint a uh, point towards in regards to i mean who who put these men in power or is it simply the fact that these guys actually do a military overthrow there, but they are just, you know, handed the the weapons and the bombs basically in order to to well, do. Well, they are, they're given the, the weapons and the bombs. The ones who are behind this, there's only one global order that mm. has been for a long time. Yeah. And as I say, it's composed of those who are the wealthy families. Yeah. That are the banking families of the the World Bank. They are the World Bank. Yeah. <laughs> they finance every country. They finance all the institutions. The, the big foundations are all not just interlinked with them, they're part of them. <laughs> and they're also part of an, uh, an inner religion, uh, part of it based on eugenics and science. And um, and they have, for a long time, they have used these techniques of exploiting countries. As I said, one of the best books, their movies to watch, was a Marlon Brando movie called Burn, where they actually show you very, very simply how a, a British agent, a provocateur, is sent in to a Caribbean island, hmm. and he uses everyone, the whites and the blacks, to overthrow the, the Portuguese who ran the country. Hmm. Uh, the whites who lived there thought they would take it over. The blacks thought they would take it over. And, of course, after they both got rid of the Portuguese, hmm. um, in comes the British. Yeah. Uh, but they show you how everyone is used. Hmm. And that's been going up. That was a science that was taught to these agents in England yeah. for a few hundred years. But, um, you know, now IMF is going to write off the debts to Africa and everything is going to be uh, all right. Isn't that true? <laughs> oh, I know. I know. <laughs> ah. uh, it, it's just amazing. Um, yeah. the, the, so supposedly, you see, every... Since the 50s, or at least the 40s, late 40s, mm-hmm. every country that signed the United Nations Agreement, the Charter, uh, also agreed to set up what they call uh, a bank of overseas economic development. Mm-hmm. And what you'll find in every country, certain politicians, who are generally the ones who do the left side of the things for, for government, they'll, they'll be liberal or even further left, mm-hmm. They're the ones who get the jobs to take care of uh, where the money goes to overseas corporations to help the poor countries. Mm, yeah. And what they do, of course, is simply funnel the, Mac, the, the money that goes to, say, Africa into their own corporations, the American corporations are British, mm-hmm. that are set up in Africa. Hmm. That's what it, it doesn't go to the people. Yeah. It's the same uh, so, so this, again, is all part of it. These same people who were in politics and now work for the OECD, for the UN, mm. uh, sometimes leave the UN for a, a year or so, and they'll work in one of the big foundations. They go out round in a circle. <laughs> politics, foundations, United Nations. Yeah. And, yeah. and so everything is interlinked in the structure. Yeah. They don't have separate agendas. There's only one agenda. Yeah. Um, you know, one thing that seems to be kind of uh, pushing now the, the the latest scheme in regards to the the connection with Africa here is 
Um, I saw an excellent documentary the other day called The Great Global Warming Swindle, I think, and they addressed this issue a little bit in regards to why Africa hasn't, you know, been able to develop, um, you know, industrially and so forth. And it seems to be uh, that the latest kind of drumbeat on this is is in regards to the the, the environment, you know, that there actually aren't uh, been, you know, able to to develop industrially uh, because, you know, the the fear of the, the environmental dangers and so forth. And you think that this could be uh, again now there be could be drumming this as another reason? I mean, the, they are given, of course, you know, again, crappy technology in regards to the solar uh, powers and the, and the environmentally safe te- techniques that I believe actually are out there, but we, we aren't, you know, we aren't given them, but uh, but this seems to be the reason now. Uh, would you agree on that? They will use every excuse possible to to uh, claim what's happening in Africa is all for various different circumstances. Yeah. But they don't get into the, any of the truth of the matter. In the 1700s, you, you, you had the father of John Stuart Mill who also was a British political economist. Mm-hmm. His son was too. They both wrote books on on the economies. Uh, and these guys were also uh, in the same family lineage of Bertrand Russell, who took over hmm. in the late 1800s and lived into the 1970s, I think, mm-hmm. uh, following in the, his father's footsteps. So these characters were partly eugenicists. They believed in the eugenics theory, but... Uh, There'd be too many of the, the lower classes breeding, hmm. and they would overtake the, 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 their more elite cousins further, further north of them, you might say. Yeah. And so they'd have to start culling off all the different peoples. Well, John Stuart Mill uh, wrote a list of the most likely people who should be allowed to and encouraged to survive. Mm-hmm. But Africa, he said... And this was reiterated in the writings of H.G. Wells and other others who belonged to the Genesis societies. Mm-hmm. But they knew in the 1700s and the 1800s that Africa, um, they said that they cannot adopt to the white man's economic system. Hmm. And those who would not adopt it would have to perish hmm. because they would be a burden on the societies that try to move forward. It mm-hmm. says those who can emulate and he actually said mimic the white man, <laughs> uh, he said, would be allowed to survive. <laughs> and okay. and so long ago, and these guys all belong to the same foundations that are still running the world today. Yeah. So, so, mm. so no, they, they can make excuses and, and put all, all these sad TV shows on them, how much they care. Mm. But the fact is, at the top, that's their mandate. Is yeah. To, vastly reduce the population of Africa. They've never, you see, you cannot take a culture from a people. Hmm. And they knew this too. Darwin knew as well. They all knew it. And all the social scientists knew it. It's the same with American Indians. You cannot take a culture away from a people where their whole historical background is so vastly different from yours. Hmm. And, And because they cannot simply jump from a completely different way of perceiving things into your mindset. They can't do that. Hmm. And when they can't do that, they either turn to, to drugs, alcohol, and so on, destructive behavior, mm-hmm. or if they're lucky in some sense, uh, lucky in one sense, uh, that they have some land left where they can still try and keep their old customs going because their customs give them meaning of life. Mm-hmm. 
and this is basic sociology, they understand this. Mm. They've never tried to allow, in fact, they've done anything but allow the Africans to keep a natural uh, system or culture going. It's, it's so strange to me, this, this idea or this philosophical concept of conformity, of, of you know, bringing the, the order, I guess, then out of the, the chaos, as, as they see it. Uh, and I wonder what, you know, what type of mindset that, that drives these people who want to, you know, again, remove all the cultures and convert it into this, you know, one world, one world government. It, it almost seems, you know, in, in that sense, uh, alien to the human, human species. I don't, I mean, <laughs> you Actually, you're, you're close to it. Yeah. You're close to it in a sense, if we define what human is. Yeah. And what being uh, having humanitarian thoughts are, hmm. because what they know in higher sociology and psychology uh, are that uh, you have people who who will lead in every generation. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, the problem is the ones that are picked are the ones who who are will conform to the existing leaders who are tyrants. Yeah. That's standard too. Yeah. Um, However, those who, who have the higher intellects uh, and who are picked to help lead society, uh, even though they have higher intellects in some areas, uh, there's a price for that, and that's empathy for others. That's, yeah. that's also acknowledged in yeah. all, the, all the big uh, university books. Yeah. Huh. So, now, so when you have people who've gone even further... And long before Darwin came out with his uh, Origin of Species, hmm. uh, Darwin's family, as I say, were already interbreeding. They were following their own belief before Darwin wrote the book. Yeah. Because the grandfather, his father, and Darwin himself only married twice from the Wedgwood family. Hmm. And that wasn't just his family that were doing that. Uh, his own particular little class were doing that hmm. because they already had their inner religion. Yeah. Eugenics is only part of it. It's an ancient religion. It's, it's actually taken from Hinduism, very old, old Hinduism. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, in regards to Hinduism, I, this is a loaded word and all that again, but uh, is there connection to the to the Aryans in regards to that this is a, or, a Hindu yeah. origin? Yeah, they, they, they keep bringing up every so often in history that the Aryan thing, mm, yeah. uh, Hitler tried to revive it too. In fact, he sent teams over to India and Tibet as well, yeah. looking for the for the remnants of the old Aryan peoples. Sure. And uh, Madame Blavatsky, that was put out there to help start the fe- the female side of Freemasonry, mm-hmm. they call them side degrees, not full, not real degrees, but side degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put her out there. Well, her her books were full of the same stuff on the Aryan people, mm-hmm. uh, and they, they were talking about the fifth Aryan race. Uh, meaning that there were four before that where society goes through massive changes, yeah. the unfit are killed off, and those who are fit to come through through breeding and everything else will be allowed to come through. This is part of their philosophy. And, and in some sense it seems like they have uh, that philosophy in that sense has manifested because there have been, uh, and, and is, I guess, I mean, there's no denying it, a, a ruling race in that sense, and, and that is the one who is currently in control, isn't that right? I'd say, I'd say absolutely. Yeah. I mean, hmm. I've seen the nicest people, the nicest people, as they talk to you, 
some of them who are well known, um, tell you in the nicest possible way why that the, the world start must uh, must start killing off the useless eaters, and yeah. they really believe it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and again, that they're pushing this. Uh, you know, o- overpopulation, uh, as I see it, at least fraud, uh, and and trying to justify and again making, uh, creating the scientific you know background. So so we have again you know professors and teachers and uh, scientists going out there and saying that the only way to to save the earth basically is to get rid of all the humans. And and this now very much I think connects with the with the environmental, you know, hysteria that has been developing just in the, the ra- last few months here. Would you agree on that? It's even worse. Um, in the 1800s, the mid-1800s, books came out from these institutions and foundations explaining all this, the need to cull off the useless ones uh, as health, hygiene, uh, food improved on, on the lesser classes. There would, there would be too many of them, mm. and the natural illnesses wouldn't be killing them off so fast. And, and then, of course, when they, they started to give out uh, higher medicines, yeah. which actually worked for a change, um, they, they, they complained all the more. And so they said it has to retaliate and find ways to start sterilizing the people. Uh, that's been underway. It's been, it has been in process for, for before I was born yeah. through inoculations, because yeah. that's when. And the, you'll find uh, since the sock vaccine especially, what was given out, the sperm count in the Western male has dropped now 75% of mm. 1950 levels. <laughs> Amazing. And the United Nations itself announces the statistics for that every year yeah, without sure. comment. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and so, uh, yeah, we are, we are under the process of sterilization. Sure, sure, absolutely. Um, Africa, uh, no doubt about it, we can go into the congressional records where, and it's all out there, I have the, the copies here, mm-hmm. where they, uh, that they asked for uh, money to be put into research in the 70s after Kissinger made his wide statement that the enemy to the state, the greatest threat to the state, was overpopulation. Yeah. And funding went into various agencies to find a way to bring it down quickly. And uh, they had a requisition to create a disease which would literally destroy the entire immune system of a victim so that some simple thing which wouldn't normally even bother you mm. would kill you. So uh, with that, we are into the, the, the area of, of AIDS and HIV, I guess, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So I listened to, to a group of black doctors mm. in the States talking about this. And... And yeah, they knew. Uh, they came. They came out openly, and they discussed this amongst themselves about the yeah the homosexual problem. It, it definitely, it was rampant there. However, they had traced the first inoculations free given out by the World Health Organization, the Doctor Who of the United Nations, and they, they gave them out <laughs> first in Haiti yeah. free. Yeah. And now Haiti happened to be a paradise for homosexuals who went there for young boys. Hmm. That was well known at the time, mm-hmm. and um, they could rent them for a, a few cents. Oh. Uh, however, the UN then went into Africa and they, they, tra- they tracked uh, these injections right across Africa, and the AIDS broke out right behind them, hmm. everywhere they went. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So this is a, again a, a conscious. You see, this is the amazing thing in this world. 
if you or I were pulled into a jury in law, mm-hmm. a court of law, even if you had a, a, a suspect and all the evidence points to the suspect did this, well, that's how you base your decisions. You come to your conclusions, and that's how the verdict is, is, is you come to arrive at. Mm-hmm. It's the preponderance of evidence. Hmm. We have this all over the place, not only with 9-11, yeah, sure. but also with the AIDS, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're not allowed to make uh, an open legal conclusion. The hmm. hammer doesn't fall. <laughs> because it's the big boys themselves who are doing this. Sure, sure. But the preponderance of evidence always points to where your conclusion must lay yeah. until you have uh, more facts or opposing facts. Yeah. But so we do know, for instance, and this did come out here in Canada on the CBC television nationwide. I don't know how it got into the, to the, the, the newscast. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mr. Mansbridge, the, he's the bridge to man, you see. Oh. Uh, that's his job, is to give us the news every day, and he's called <laughs> the most trusted man in Canada. Oh, really? Oh, m- yeah, amazing. to give him awards for being that, too. Ah, fantastic. And um, anyway, everybody's grown up with him, yeah. and he'd never lie to you, yeah. and he reads the dummy board very well. <laughs> However, he was talking about a completely different subject, and, and the, 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 the screen shifted to a, a, a woman interviewer just talking to two men at a map. Mm-hmm. of Africa and India mm. and it was so bizarre because there was no intro to it or anything and she was saying what gave you the right to to sterilize these women mm. well it turned out these two men worked for the World Health Organization mm-hmm. uh, they had been found that they'd given out millions of free supposed tetanus shots to so mm. many millions of women in, in India and Africa uh-huh. Uh-huh. And every one of them uh, had massive infections of the ovaries, which sterilized them. Yeah. But these guys' attitude was so it was typical of the bureaucracy of the United Nations, because these guys don't have to play politics. <laughs> they know they're leading the world. They know what their real job is. And they were indignant and said, well, we have to do it. Someone has to take care of this. Yeah. And I think that I think that they actually believe this themselves. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be there. What, what's I mean? It's, it seems I have talked to one of these people yeah. personally. Yeah. It's a woman mm-hmm. in, in in Canada here mm-hmm. who comes from a very very old family, <laughs> hmm. uh, very wealthy, internationalist connected family, and she also was a school teacher. But one of the, a, a strange kind because she's allowed to go away six months to China here and in South America here for another six months or a year. Mm-hmm. And she's pushing and observing all what's going on. And I met her outside a store. I said, how are you doing? And she says, oh, yeah. And she forgets she's talking to me uh, uh, because I, she thinks I'm one of them, I guess, because <laughs> of what I know. And she prattled on about how wonderful it was in China and all the rest of it. She says, she says I really have to put reports in because because of the way, uh, she says, uh, they handle their overpopulation problem. Mm, yeah. See, China, under the United Nations, is to be the model state for the whole world. We have to emulate them. Ah, yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. And the UN has declared that officially. Ah, okay. And I says, uh, and she's gone about how they do it and how they, they've created social approval and social disapproval 
because now they don't have to bring the army uh, regulars in to pull women out who are pregnant with a second child. They get the townspeople to, to shame them and pull them out themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, it's a Pavlovian technique that's taught against smokers. Everybody, you see smokers lighting up now in the street and they'll almost stone you to death. Mm, uh, that's, yeah. that's indoctrination and Pavlovian reaction. Hmm. Well, it's the same with pregnant women. The neighbors will drag them off to the abortion clinic. And she thought this was wonderful, absolutely wonderful. She was ecstatic. Mm. And uh, and then, of course, I brought her back to who she was talking to. I says, uh, what gives you the right to think you should do this? Mm. You know? mm. Yeah. And she said the exact same thing. She was stunned for a second. And she says, well, somebody's got to do it. Sure. And that's what you hear from them all. Exactly. So they don't just talk about it. They're doing it. Absolutely, and and the the, the conviction again of, of these things are uh, beyond I think debate for these people, and they were cer- certainly not listened to anyone that you know isn't within their own uh, you know milieu so to speak that they actually are you know um, say, let's say a non-scientist or whatever. Even if scientists themselves would come out and say that you know global warming is is, is in that sense is a fraud or overpopulation in that sense is a fraud there because their their minds are made up at this point and there's no you know there's no turning back because the the agenda i think is it, it is set and and they're going to follow through to i guess any means necessary any and all means necessary there's no doubt yeah because none of this is see, anything that really happens and really matters in the world is never given to the public to debate hmm. it's done at higher quarters for, and it's we have no say in it whatsoever. Yeah. It's a done deal. Uh, these people are paid so much as well. They have their own indoctrination, which is simply reinforcement, constant reinforcement, mm-hmm. that what they're involved in is a must-be. Yeah. And they're told why it must be. Sure, sure, exactly. And they wouldn't they're true believers in it, too. Absolutely, and they wouldn't be in that position if they <laughs> thought otherwise. <laughs> yeah. It's no big... So in this world that's to come... Um, no one will be allowed to live without a purpose to serve the new world state. Mm, yeah. Efficiency is to be the new rule. Total efficiency. Yeah, that's the behave after the beehive model, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. You know, uh, and the system seems to be, uh, at least at this point, also be favoring, uh, as you said, psychopaths that actually have no sense of, um, you know... Um, feeling for, for, you know, your fellow man, so to speak. They have none. They, they truly have none, and yet, they, they, like, a good psychopath will really amaze you with, with their hospitality and uh, how cordial they are. Sure. Uh, but when you listen to their opinions, that's when you're floored. <laughs> because they can say it in such a nice way, mm-hmm. uh, something which to them is just so practical. Absolutely. But to you, they're telling you uh, of, of mass Murder, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, and it's, uh, and as you say, maybe to be able to lay it out in a, in a you know coherent and and uh, as, uh-huh. you know they're able to sound responsible in the, in that in that sense and and uh, yeah. they, I guess found out that uh, you know to be friendly in that sense is something that serves the purpose better. So it, it's just a, a role that they adopt basically in order to further their agenda or to be able to speak to other people who, who might, you know, uh, so, so that other people might respect them also, I guess. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. See, a psychopath has one other little thing. I mean, he has a tremendous ego. Yeah. And he loves applause. 
and little awards along the way in presentations or or even going over to Britain to get knighted. Yeah, yeah, sure. Or getting their countries in Canada give them OBEs. OBEs. Oh, they just love to get these awards because yeah. it's, a, it's a sign of their high worth. <laughs> yeah. So so that's where the the medals and the diplomas and all of that uh, crap comes in, I guess. Yes, uh, the titles, yeah. Yeah, the titles, exactly. And the, and the, I guess that many of these also in, in that regard... Uh, is is kind of a have a masonic background in that sense that there are you know that you you even get your degree of course when you go out from school and, and stuff like that oh definitely definitely plus they have professors in all universities mm. have had since they started them up in fact mm. uh, again from the encyclopedist group yeah who belong to these agencies this this world religion this elitist society and they choose and pick people students at school for their tasks. The, C- the CIA, which is only part of it, recruits from university hmm. because professors, certain professors are on the lookout for certain personality types. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, it's perfect. It's a, it's a model set up for, for, the, for the self, you know, so that the system can self-sustain, you know, even if we have a few dropouts in, in personnel here or there or whatever. Uh, the system... I guess it's it's set up in such a manner that it will, yes, I said, kind of sustain itself, basically. Sure. Huh. And e- even with Africa, Africa had an overdosing on left-wing, right-wing uh, politics, uh, especially uh, communism versus capitalism. Mm, sure. They had more of it than most people. The same guys were funding all sides. To keep them in perpetual warfare, yeah. and that killed millions off just by starvation. Most of the starvation in Africa uh, over the over many years wasn't caused by poor weather or lack of anything. It, it was the lack of time and ability to get food planted and get it in because of the local wars that were going on. Hmm. Ah, oh, yeah. I see. Uh, you, you know, in regards to. Uh, the the tippy toe uh, tactics towards uh, a government that stretch worldwide, so to speak. I um, I noticed that in that that is happening on on all other continents too, of course. But that there is a, a creation of the uh, African Union, and do you think that they will kind of lead this in towards a, at least a first step towards a solution to the to the pro- problem? Well, it's in already underway. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is. Huh? It's already underway. Mandela was basically raised up to do this mm-hmm. in the last 10 years or so. Yeah. It was to, it was to, I mean, he knew, I'm sure he knew it from the very beginning that eventually that was the function of it. Hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, who knows where, where, we, where we might end up. Uh, I mean, in regards to um, AIDS and so forth, um, I mean, that. I guess that, that is the, the main... Uh, genocide plan that they, they've got I, I, I'm not too uh, I haven't read up on this too too much at this uh, this stage yet but uh, I mean I guess there is, do, do you know this Alan? I mean is this a tremendous problem still or are they able to fight some of this off or is this uh, No occurring? it's tremendous because what you'll find uh, it's, it's mainly in the youth mm-hmm. uh, the youth have uh, they have very little in Africa, but what the Western shoes they get is, apart from the fashions and the hats on backwards and the same music, uh, is, uh, are, 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 is they, get, they give them the music and the machine.
machines to play them. Hmm. And they ensure that certain drugs come in, but mainly alcohol that's homemade even. Uh-huh. Um, hmm. And they have parties, like outside their, their villages, etc. And then they, they do what they think the West is doing. They get occasional Western movie. And so the teenagers try to indulge in the same sexual type uh, experiences as the West. Hmm. And, and down, plummet, they come down with AIDS. Yeah, yeah. That's the biggest problem. When you're destroying a culture and all the old taboos that culture had that kept it functioning are gone, mm. and that culture is lost and yet tries to emulate what they see as superior, um, they will emulate it to the full. Uh, and when you have an AIDS problem to boot, injected into there, mm. you now are guaranteed that uh, AIDS, AIDS is rampant. It's just terrible. Hmm. Rampant uh, yeah. through all the teenagers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I mean, in regards to to the the game plan, then I guess I mean, let's say that they're able to uh, develop this fully in that regard to have an African Union, and of course we have a European Union, and the the American Union is is full underway also, of course. Um, and then we have an an, an Asian Union. Uh, in in regards to 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 time plan, do you have any kind of You know, idea. I mean, in a sense, as you say, these are all already in place, but a more, I guess, a more official way that they actually are yeah, going yeah, to. Yeah, more official. Yeah. Uh, anything between. Uh, I, I know that, that a lot of the laws that the UN are, are projections because they use 10, 20, and 30 year plans, even 50 year plans. Yeah. And you'll find that in their agendas, which they publish. Hmm. You'll find a lot of them end up around uh, 2030 or so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, however, we know that the American content is to be officially, openly declared one by about 2010. The UN is to be officially declared world government by 12. Ah, yeah. And so uh, Africa could could either linger a little bit or it will come under. It's already technically under it anyway because sure. the, the, the few African countries where the UN have heavily been involved and mm. basically belong to the United Nations, that's why they're... they're, they're Uh, a bit more prosperous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah absolutely. And then, of course, we have um, the, again the, that we have been talking previously on this show about uh, the possibility, of ver- the very likely, of, of microshipping that that population. Of course, uh, now the recent, the most recent uh, thing in regards to to this was, um, I think, Verichip has has put in RFID tags in people who suffer from diabetics. I think. Yes, that's a fact. However, I I saw one of these public broadcasting programs uh, a while back. Well, called programs because the public broadcasting is just another way for the foundations to put in nature movies and stuff to brainwash us. <laughs> and um, it was about a place in Africa. Now there were it was uh, on the outskirts of the Bantu area. The Bantu were the real uh, nomadic tribes who had mm-hmm. their herds and traveled. Well, mm-hmm. they were all rounded up, you know, by the United Nations. Now they're inside camps. Mm. Oh, because nice. no one has to exist in the old way. Sure, sure. And I'm sure they'll just start dying off inside. Huh. However, before that, they were, they were, this is what they were doing. And not just in that area, but uh, I showed you. The United Nations was offering the males uh, free sterilization of a sectary. Hmm. And what you would get in return was a little, uh, they didn't give you clothes. What they gave you was a little chain that went around your neck with a, a card. 
and you were given so many credits per month. Mm. And a white van would come round your area once a month, and you would in there, and you, you put your card through the machine, and you, would give, you could buy certain things that you wanted from that truck. <laughs> that was your reward. Straight out of, of what, uh, basically, Charles Galton Darwin suggested in his book, The Next Millennium, hmm. that people would, would give up their fertility for goods. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, you know, again, I keep, I keep returning to this because, of, of course, it's a, it's a, you know, dire situation and, 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 you know, desperation in regards to all this information is, is quickly at hand for, you know, for all of us who, who thinks and ponder upon these questions. But, I mean, I again want to return to the fact that, I mean, what is it within the human spirit that these people are so afraid of? I mean, they're, they're desperately trying to control us and everybody who are, you know, different in that sense. I mean, there must be kind of a, you know, the genuine life force within all of us that they're actually are afraid of. What's your take on that? They are afraid. They're afraid of those individuals, and they've mentioned this in a few different books. Sometimes it's it's a little camouflage, but uh, mm-hmm. what they basically say is that, uh, and it's, see, they declared war um, when they set up the League of Nations, which transformed into the United Nations. Mm-hmm. They declared war on the, the individual. Mm-hmm. Now, it was so amazing to me to read all this stuff when I was small, because I knew that the wars already were, were, were funded and started by wealthy elite people. Mm-hmm. And here are the same books that were now promoted from the League of Nations and the United Nations, saying that they had to make war on individualism because the individual was a cause of all problems and discord throughout history. Ah. Hmm. I thought, well, so there are they'd already changed perception and reality mm-hmm. by a blanket statement. But what they were afraid of, because they knew that within every generation you do have some people who do not succumb to the tremendous indoctrination uh, of brainwashing we've had, especially since national education, again promoted by Masonic groups, and they boast about that openly in their books. Um, Now it's an international education association to get a standard worldview. Well, you, you see... Those who won't conform to the mass opinion, which is the, the, the illusion, not the reality, it's a distorted reality, yeah. the one that's presented to you via television and so on, yeah. the ones who will not conform to that are dangerous to, to, to their plan, their agenda. They know that. Uh, and so they have to find ways of weeding them out at school. Hmm, yeah. And of course, in the last 15 years, 10, 15 years, they've been giving children amazing psychological evaluations every year hmm. to do just that. Yeah. And the boys who are a bit, what they'll call, they will call hyper, I would, I would say it was the most intelligent guys yeah, exactly. who ask the questions yeah. and become a problem for asking questions. Yeah, so sure. they, they ask questions based on logic and what they're being taught is not logic. Hmm. Um, so the teachers get angry because they can't answer them. <laughs> uh, well, they put on, on Prozac and various other drugs. Absolutely, absolutely. This is, this is the real intent of that. Yeah, and uh, this is incredible. And, and at the same time, uh, it seems to be that the um, 
high, in the higher ups, so to speak. The, it seems that the, the individual is very, you know, respected in that sense because, again, the theme of the, the, you know, the Promethean theme and even the Luciferian mythology is something that keeps popping up, uh, I guess, in, in regards to the, the elite. Uh, and this is, of course, you know, in regards to the mythology, is, is, regard, is uh, in regards to a, a rebel that actually breaks free, who actually promotes individuality. So, I mean, how the heck... Well, amongst themselves, though, that's... Exactly, yeah, that's the point, I guess, yeah. And yet, it's far more to their occult religion, which is found in every holy book, because their ancestors wrote every holy book. Hmm. <laughs> that's why you'll find the same esoteric understandings, if you understand them, within each one. Hmm. You find that the... the, the, the um, uh, you'll always find the opposites in stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, the opposites are all part of becoming the perfect man. Yeah. And you'll find little stories with a male, his wife, sometimes his wife is his sister, uh, and, and, and you'll also find another uh, partner coming in. Um, so there's always three, plus the fourth one is also what they call a Jethro, mm-hmm. or the Ethiopian. Hmm. And that's the unknown one that the God accepts who has a, a form of magic. This is all taught in higher circles hmm. uh, to these groups. They understand this. That's interesting because it, is there a connection in regards to Ethiopia in that sense here? Uh, what it means really uh, is um, uh, the Ethiopian is a, a magician. That's what they meant by uh-huh. hmm. And so it's a form of, of a king who is also a father, mm-hmm. uh, who is uh, also a husband, to the wife who is the mother, the mother of all. Hmm. And so she's often referred to as both mother and sister, oh. and wife. Hmm. And so really the mother is, is in a form of the matrix. Oh. Uh, everything comes through the matrix. Yeah. And so, so all life comes through the matrix. They say it's the stream that, that goes upstream. It's the waters that turn backwards. Hmm. It's even in the New Testament where, where Jesus makes the waters of the Jordan turn north. It goes north against its flow. <laughs> That's the arcane uh, meaning of the source of Godhood. And when you join the quaternity, as they call it, mm-hmm. uh, you're perfected and you go up and become one of the gods. Ah. This is all understood in all religions mm-hmm. in, in a high esoteric level. Interesting. But that's just a small part of it that I've said. Okay. Hmm. Uh, very interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I just wanted to uh, briefly re- return to a news item in regards to, um, you know, the the tracking and also, of course, the um, the medication and so forth of, of uh, young people. Uh, this was an article appearing in the in the Guardian a uh, while back. Uh, called, is your baby playing with its toes yet? If not, the government wants to know why. And basically this is, it says that babies will be assessed on their gurgling, babbling and toe playing abilities when they are five months old under a legally enforced national curriculum for children from birth to five, published by the government yesterday. And this is, they're going to have, you know, 69 governments set, they call early learning goals. And um, you know, recording them against, says here, against more than 500 de- development milestone as they go, and if if a child, you know, don't, um, you know, develop according to the, you know, the regular scheme of things, 
they're gonna you know make sure to track this and, and spot if anything is wrong with your child and so forth either I guess to take the child away from you or uh, you know simply you know begin treatment of some kind of medication or something like this but again this is and this is kind of you know presented as a, as a, as a again of course as a helping uh, you know that they're actually trying to help people and, and concern young parents and so forth but it's amazing how it's presented in this way and, and how incredibly you know this is very radical uh, in in that sense at least to me I mean this is incredible stuff and it just goes by without comment it seems exactly when there's no comment you know it's uh, it's part of their their agenda yeah and definitely uh, as under the eugenics program they're now calling it world bioethics committees mm. um, it's the same group though same eugenics strategy sure uh, they want to know because in the near future, in the world they're creating, they're going to, they're going to decide who will be sterilized. Mm-hmm. And, and the earlier they do it, as far as they're concerned, the better. Mm-hmm. So all this will eventually lead to those whom they will, will uh, state are, or, um, under various tests are, are not up to a certain par. And therefore, they'll have to be sterilized as a part we measure to the next step because they, they know the next hundred years. Mm. Yeah, and it's going to be a, like a, a totally dumbed down, but yet, I guess, super efficient, strong kind of clone type of being. <laughs> yes, it will be. A, a worker, a bee, basically, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazing. Yes, yeah. But, uh, uh, there's a good uh, site to look into. He's one of the characters who who's up there pushing eugenics mm-hmm. and um, people think he's a nice man uh, he's called John uh, Glad mm-hmm. L-A-D mm-hmm. and he, he's made a, a little web he's got a website out there it's called whatwemaybe.org ah okay and on yeah. there he's, this is what he says in one paragraph he said evolutionary selection has been radically relaxed in the human species as, as a result of the development of civilization. Is that word civilization? They never define it, you see. Ah. <laughs> Science in general and medicine in particular. While these advances have hugely benefited current populations, they've led to a significant degree released the species from the biological process which created it and maintains its viability. Hmm. So it's complaining here that, that modern standards of living are, are, has, isn't killing enough people off. That's how he's worded it differently, but it's the same thing. Formerly, natural selection took place largely as a result of differential mortality. Mm-hmm. But now that most people survive well beyond their childbearing years, selection is determined largely by differential fertility. <laughs> Aside from genetic illnesses, this new selection is also characterized by negatively a negative correlation between fertility and intelligence. It's meaning it's mainly the lower classes who are having the children. Uh, yeah. The core of eugenic concern for over a century. Hmm. So people should look into his blurb because he speaks for all the big boys at the UN hmm. worldwide. Interesting. And this was, what, did you say, what we will be? Uh, what we may be. What we may be. Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm going to do a search for that and put up the link in regards to this show here. Yeah, but again, it seems to be like, um, you know, they're, they're trying to um, trying to... Know, handle all natural processes of the, of the earth and trying to you know emulate or not emulate them, but they're, they're trying to um, basically take take over these processes and and to be able to kind of uh, you know decide themselves 
in, in that sense, I guess we go back to that, you know, old philosophical concept of actually being able to be be a god. I guess they see themselves as gods. There is no doubt. Yeah. There's no doubt about that when they realize they have power over life and death, and they're also in a, a high, very old esoteric religion. Yeah. Yeah. And I got to just throw in this before we kind of uh, wrap things up here today. But uh, again, in regards to the the uh, another documentary I saw, a lot of documentaries here, but that, that's the way it is. Uh, uh, that was called Five Ways to Save the Earth, and this, of course, was in regards to scientists' different ideas to how we're going to combat the, the global global warming a- agenda. And, and again, this was. Not in regards to, you know, that this is open for debate or anything like that. This was, you know, people are totally convinced that we have to go in with artificial means to actually change, um, do something in regards to either block out sunlight or, or stuff like this. But the, it, it kind of the, the tone of all of this and in regards to the scientists who were speaking about this, it was, you know, that we actually have to through artificial means control uh, the processes of earth either to through as i said block out sunlight with the sending up uh, you know uh, mirrors into space or something like this but um, again i think it's just uh, kind of uh, resonates with the fact that they're trying to to take over natural processes and begin to you know do this in a scientific way i guess they are it's already been done for a long time yeah uh, we are just not supposed to know about it <laughs> We're already run in the scientific way. We have been since the first inoculations, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Alan, uh, I think that that will be a great uh, place to kind of round things off today. But uh, again, as always, I'd I'd like you to to tell us about your website, of course, and how we can, you know, support your work in case, you know, we have new listeners or or people who haven't, you know, tuned in for that long. So uh, so give give us your website address and some of the material that you have on for us there. Yes, uh, look into cuttingthroughthematrix.com. There's also org and net. Mm, yeah. And you can check out uh, a lot of stuff for free. And there's a few things I have for sale too, which go a little further. And uh, there'll be more going up there pretty well every day. Yeah. Hmm. Excellent. So, uh, again, Alan, until until next time, thank you so much for, for coming on. As always, it's a, always a pleasure to have you here. So, we will uh, we'll speak again soon, my friend. Thank you so much for tuning in to the show. Check out our free radio archive with programs going back almost a year. We also have a subscriber-based archive for all you guys out there who want even more. And at the same time, you'll help and support this radio program and the RedIceCreations.com website. Your support makes our program and website possible. Thanks to Fredrik Palmgren behind the controls. We will be back this Thursday with another program for you. Take good care and we'll see each other online in the meantime. This is Henrik Palmgren signing off.